My name is Abhay Dandekar, and I share conversations with talented and interesting individuals linked to the global Indian and South Asian community. It's informal and informative, adding insights to our evolving cultural expressions, where each person can proudly say, trust me, I know what I'm doing. Hello to everyone, and on this episode of Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing, we chat with actor, freelancer, and content creator, Ahilya Bamru. Stay tuned. I've come to realize that there's a timeless importance and also many versions of a universal feeling we call boredom. Now, there's certainly an emotional spectrum to this, but there are aspects of boredom that serve as an ignition for discovery, creativity, and deep thinking. And speaking of boredom turned into discovery and deep thinking, thank you so much for listening to this and for sharing it with your friends and family, for rating, downloading, and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts, and for following Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing on social media at Dr. Abhaydarndikar. Now for me, in my own open space of boredom, a true bonus has been the discovery of novel ideas and messages from people who are sharing their talent and creativity and beautifully building connection through humor and art by showcasing their own take on everyday life. This is essentially what connected me with Ahilya Bamru. Ahilya is an actor, a freelancer of all kinds, and a digital content creator. She grew up on the east coast of South India, in Pondicherry and in Oroville, which is an experimental community aimed at creating an international township that promotes human unity. Perhaps it's with this backdrop of learning and living in a multicultural and supportive community that Ahilya has created an online artistic window into her world that combines authentic day-to-day experiences, whimsy and playful storytelling, and very relatable observations, especially about idiosyncrasies like people's accents or announcements from the flight crew on a plane. Whether it's singing fake songs from around the globe, chatting about an Ayurvedic skin routine, or facilitating a workshop, Ahilya's approach fits one of the themes of this show, which is the continuous search for the antidotes to apathy. We caught up to talk recently about her quest to figure it all out, and about the empathy that's framed some of her own experiences in art and freelancing. But we started by chatting about Ahilya's backstory in relating to different people through their speech and accents. So I think it was the fact that, first of all, I was born in Mumbai, and then I moved yeah. to Pondicherry when I was very young. And so Pondicherry is a f- ex-French colony, so it wasn't um, colonized by the English, but the French. So we have like a French uh, lycée, which is like the school, and an Alliance Francaise and all of that. So French is a language that people do learn in a couple of schools in Pondicherry. So you start off with somebody from kind of the north of India, like a kid, comes to the south of India in technically Tamil Nadu, but the Union Territory of Pondicherry that now speaks French. Yeah. So there's so much going on already. Then I went to a couple of schools that used to uh, put a big emphasis on learning languages. So we had learned, um, we had to learn our mother tongue. So my mother tongue yeah. from my mom's side is Bengali. Yeah. So I had to learn Bengali. Then they wanted to teach us Sanskrit. So then we were learning Sanskrit. And then when I was about 12, I moved to Oroville, which was this international community where yeah. there's people from about 45 different countries, Italians, Germans, Koreans, and they all speak their own languages and English. And then you create this basic kitchery, for lack of a better word, of all of these cultures. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like a sociolinguistic cultural kitchery. 
Yeah, exactly. It literally is that. And um, the easiest way to kind of relate to other people is through the way that we speak, right? And understand each other and communicate. And so those are the ways that also you can create distinctions and you could be like, you're different to me because you say this and I say this. And so it was just, I guess, the very natural environment of my upbringing that brought languages and accents and cultures and also quirkinesses of each of these that um quirks sorry quirkinesses quirks quirkinesses is fine i like that (laughs) and so yeah i guess that's why it became a theme it's just all that um has surrounded me throughout my childhood so yeah and and i mean has that just sort of been baked into your own both your private kind of inner voice as well as the things that you might share with friends or for that matter you know on social media has this just been something that's come natural to you as um, being able to observe and almost synthesize and kind of understand perhaps people better through that kind of either impression or imitation? Yeah, I think so. And I think I've always been curious. I've always been somebody who likes to do little impressions and bits. It's always been something yeah. that I enjoy. And so this kind of came hand in hand. And I think I've also been influenced now by all of it. It's not like I'm just a neutral observer watching all of this. Like my language has changed. I do sound also like a lot of people ask me, okay, did you grow up in America or I can't really place your accent um, because I grew up in India, but I don't have this very typical Indian accent. And the fact is that, yes, I grew up in this very, very mixed cultural space, uh, which has kind of given me this little bit of everything way of speaking and expressing myself. So it's definitely integrated into my life as well. I'm not just watching and uh, it's happening around me. It's I'm saying the same things that I'm making fun of. I'm also doing those things. So it's like, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's sort of a, a natural phenomenon. It's, it's not something that's, you know, in that way kind of foreign to you. I, I'm curious with that same backdrop, right, that this, this kind of such an amazing social mix and this linguistic kitsity all around you, has it made you more in some ways empathic to those around you? Has that contributed a lot to, in some ways, kind of the the creativity or even the level of empathy that you have that kind of fuels you and motivates you? I think, like, there's a difference between living in a small town and living in a city. And when you take now a community within a town, it's an even closer, tighter, knit kind of a situation, social situation. Sure. So I grew up in two such communities. One of them was the Pondicherry Ashram community and the other one was Oroville. They have the same founders, but they do things a little bit differently. But again, you've got people aren't just um, people. They're people that you know personally. They're people that are kind of family because of how few people there are around and you guys are living the same experience together. And so versus when you're in a city where you kind of feel like it's just you against the world, you know, walking and there's so many people. You're more anonymous. Exactly. You're anonymous here. It's like you are accountable also because people know your name. People know your mom. People know, you know, where you were born and your house. And it's like, uh, so you have to have a certain amount of empathy to navigate the situation because you're going to be pariahed or ostracized if you're not empathetic, you know, empathic. And so I think that's a big part of why I also want to understand things, because when you understand, then you can be kinder 
um, yeah. and sweeter. So that's, I think, the most important thing, that there's the humor, because that's also important to have a laugh about yourself, right. but also to be able to understand why people are saying things, why are they doing these things, and where are they coming from? Yeah. I wonder if it keeps you that much more mentally spry if you will, right? That like, it, it keeps you kind of keeps you on your toes that like you, there are probably a lot more surprises than what your standard expectations are being in such a sort of diverse community um, yeah. and not necessarily having to be anonymous. Yes. But I think it's also like, it becomes a bit um, tiring, obviously, because you can't <laughs> just escape, right? You yeah. Yeah. have to always think about the collective if that's uh, not too weird of a word to use but yeah it's yeah. the collective so you can't yeah. just be just you not giving you know a shit about anything yeah. it has to be really a lot more like you're socially involved and um, i've always wondered this about you know the idea of all those different sounds or accents and i i'm curious when you hear your name pronounced in different ways whether it's Ahilya Bamru or whether it's Ahilya Bamru or whether it's in a French accent or a German accent or, or Spanish, Italian, et cetera. Do you actually think differently in your own response to someone, how they call your name? Oh, that's super interesting. I've never thought of that. Um, I feel like I have, like we, we create these kind of characters and stereotypes of people, right? And it's always, yeah. like it's often based on the culture from which they come from. And I think that like sometimes I can like preempt also, of course, from like how somebody is dressed and everything, the whole sure. vibe, yeah. how they're, yeah. what kind of conversation we're about to have, you know? And yeah. so it's almost like a fun little uh, thing. It's like, okay, I'm going to hear this, let's say kind of a very hippie looking French woman who's like, yeah. what are you doing? And yeah. I know what kind of accent, I mean, a conversation I'm about to have, and it's going to be yeah. different, you know, to the one from somebody from Chennai or, you know, yeah. so, and I think it does like affect the space. And I think I, I inhabit different spaces when I'm talking to different people. And I think that that's quite sure. normal. I think a lot of people like chameleon through yeah. different shape shift, shape shift. And I think that that's, very true for me as well. I change my accent when I talk to different people. Um, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and I make fun of that as well. You know, people who go on holiday and then come back you, with a different accent. You, you've been there for two weeks. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. But, you're just like uh, automatically code switching. Exactly. But it's, it's, I think it's yeah. an interesting part of, um, again, this empathy thing. You're trying to connect with yeah. somebody. You're trying to bring yourself closer to them by speaking like them. It's, it's, yeah, it's interesting. You're listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. After a quick break, we'll come back to our conversation with actor, freelancer, and content creator, Ahilya Bamru. Stay tuned. Conversation. It's the antidote to apathy and the catalyst for relationships. I'm Abhay Dandekar, and I share conversations with global Indians and South Asians, so everyone can say, trust me, I know what I'm doing. New episodes weekly, wherever you listen to your podcasts. What's up, everyone? This is Anto Philip, and I'm the CEO and co-founder at Under25. I'm a trust me, I know what I'm doing with Abhay Dandekar, and you're going to have a blast listening to this. Welcome back to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. 
Let's rejoin our conversation now with Ahilya Bamru. Your Instagram kind of tagline says that you're sort of bullshitting your way through existence, which, by the way, I absolutely applaud. Um, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a mantra and a code that I, I think I uh, aspire to live by, and you know, simply lovely. Do you, I'm curious what you think about this. Do you think there's both an art and a science to actually bullshitting your way through existence? Oh, for sure. And that Mm. we're living in this space where I think we're also doing a lot more work that doesn't necessarily, it's not very like ABC work. It's a lot more about how you can interact with other people. And it's less about a very specific skill. Like when you're knitting, it's like either you can knit or you can't. Or if you're a carpenter, either you're doing it or you're not. But with these other jobs like social media creation, when you're doing marketing, when you're talking about all of these things, there's a lot that is happening that's not exactly tangible work. Sure. It's more just ideas. And in that space, because we are all, I think, just fantastic actors cruising through life. There's yeah. a lot of space for just pretend, I think. And that's cool. I think that's fine. If you are able to do it, go ahead. Um, as yeah. long as you're not taking work away from somebody who's actually qualified, I'm, I'm okay with it, I think. It sounds like it's, uh, it's in some ways kind of liberating, especially the art side. But I imagine that the marketing, the branding, all of that actually does go back to the sort of science side yes, to it. Yes, exactly. You have to sort of get data and have that um, proceed to, you know, how what kind of feedback it actually allows you in some ways incrementally perfect the art and science of bullshitting your yeah. way through the existence. Yeah, but I think it's also you you realize that we're all just kids figuring out how to do this thing, yeah. whatever this, this thing yeah. is, and I guess that's life. It was very comforting to because I'm 23 and I remember when I was uh, in my teens thinking about like adulthood and I was like okay you know that's going to be a crazy thing I'm just going to have to do so many things and I'm just going to have to figure out how to do them and then I realized nobody knows how to do them we're just trying to all figure it out at the same way and so I think that bullshitting my way through existence is also like I think we all are in some way form doing that as well you know it's kind of a universal feeling yeah you know and and there's some value to to acknowledging that right i mean like so i'm probably almost 30 years older than you and i think that you know the amount of adulting (laughs) and the amount of sort of bullshitting that you have to do to really sort of like make it work figure it out learn it learn it on the fly they don't there is no manual for many of these things and and i do appreciate the sort of like arc of getting there when you really are never going to get there. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) But I love that we try. And I think that that's the most important thing that we wake up and we try. That's the human spirit. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of like this antidote for apathy, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like we, we, we fake it till we make it, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, as you've been creating digitally, your backdrop of developing and cultivating skill as an actor, as a singer, as a performer, um, as a writer, how has that kind of informed the aspect of, as you mentioned, kind of like you keep iterating, you keep trying, you keep trying to create digital content. Is there, is there a weave of kind of those skills that perhaps you've tried to perfect um, as a performer that go into sort of creating and trying and 
you know, for lack of a better way to put it, bullshitting yeah. uh, the digital content? So I think like growing up in Oroville, it was a lot about trying things out as well. Um, and I would like yeah. to give a big thank you to Oroville for creating a space for me as a kid to try things out without the fear of failing and then have wasted my time. So that was not a thing. Yeah. It was more about you tried it and that was the important part that you experienced that for however short long it was. And so that kind of translated into me getting to do so many different things side by side. Maybe I'm not a master at all of them, but I can, I definitely have some kind of affinity to each and every one of them. And now with the sure. Instagram, that is kind of just a, like a little reflection of that because I don't think I want to be perfect on Instagram. Yeah. I think I want to just showcase as much as I can in all of the interests categories that I have so that it's, 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 I would rather be diverse than be great. If that makes sense. It does. And, and does that come at all in the back of your head with a risk of not perfecting a craft or is that the goal that, like you said, there's a, a real joy and a beauty in being able to have, a, you know, a multiverse of different talents and skills. So like, I think as much as I also have like a very big uh, array of interests, there's a few that are my special yeah. kind of the ones that I feel like I'm the most comfortable with. And that would be, I suppose, acting, maybe singing. Yeah. Um, and so those yeah. two, I will always give like a special little place for because they will be things that I do also more often. I've done quite a lot of plays yeah. in my life. I've performed quite a few times in Oroville, singing and all of that. And so all of those experiences sure. have also added to the craft. Um, yeah. So those will always be something that I would want to be a little bit better and then put more work into. They're closer to your heart, perhaps. Exactly. But I wouldn't want to make yeah. um, that the entire point of my life and how I would like to like uh, learn and experience things because I think then they would stop me from seeing so much. I'm, I'm curious about one thing because I've asked this to other people before and maybe the difference in some of those aspects of performance where you're in front of an audience, um, you're actually getting feedback in real time. How does the affirmation or the feedback differ for you in these different formats? acting or singing or performing before an audience versus creating in the digital space where, you know, it's truly measured by likes or it's measured by hits. It's measured perhaps by the content that's being observed by a audience that's sort of out there in the ether. So that's very interesting. I've been thinking about that, like tangible audience and then like the intangible digital space audience because like when you do like i used to do theater plays and then you could see everyone you can see people and they clap you can hear it sure and then you go home yeah um when you're doing this it's just a number so it feels like i'm a little bit disassociated from the actual number of people that watch yeah. my content i don't really understand um the size yeah. of it because i'm not going to be able to meet all of these people and look them in the eye and right. see them and so that's really crazy, but I think it gives me a sense of, um, I am braver because of it. I can do hmm. things that I don't think I necessarily would if I was looking everyone in the face. So in a sense, yeah. it gives me a certain amount of like liberty and freedom. But at the same time, um, I feel sad that I'm not connected to these people that maybe connect to my content. 
Um, yeah. I meet some of them, like sometimes when I travel or somebody recognizes me, like, hey, you do accents on Instagram. I'm like, yes. Yeah, but that's crazy because yeah. it's like, um, you, you're real. You're here. You're not a number. Yeah. You're a person. And it's, it's the craziest feeling, really. And I think Instagram has really done that for a lot of people where you can be living in some very obscure part of the world but the world has maybe seen right. your face, but you just, and you're not, you're not an actor. So it's like a different space than when you're, you know, in yeah. on cinema or like a, you sure. know, someone, a celebrity like that. It's, it's a very different space. Right. It's a different vehicle, I think, for sort of like the authentic portrayal of something that you're living, right? I mean, it's your, it's your comedy in your head. It's your acting in your head. And now someone's kind of living through your eyes. And, and getting it sort of uh, digitally available to them in a very kind of democratized way, which mm -hmm. is awesome. I, I had a question for you when I was thinking about, you know, this conversation. And I, I've always wondered, do you sense a difference when you're thinking about your content, especially this sort of accents part? And this was what I was alluding to earlier, the difference between the accuracy of an impression versus the response to a situational content piece, or even sort of the nature of the audience who's actually digesting it. And where that comes up for me personally is, you know, there are actors or comics who do Indian accents here in, in the States, and, and they're just simply awful accents. <laughs> they're just, for me, I, I, they're just cringeworthy. And it, that's my own experience. They seem very unnatural. They seem forced. But in a way, it's kind of what the American media has grown to have mm -hmm. as a portrayal of what the Indian mm -hmm. accent is, right? And yet when I hear other people who do the accent authentically and they're they're spot on, it's my version of what I think is the natural um, accent and sort of content is there. At least for me as an Indian American, I feel totally different, you know, in hearing that. And th there's not really a question here. It's more, yeah. do, do you get that? It's like sort of like, is there something to the accuracy um, in your head of what this is supposed to be. So what was interesting was that when I started off, I started making content about specifically Oroville and specifically just for my friends. Yeah. Because um, we're about 3,000 people in Oroville. And I was doing extremely Oroville-specific things, like the accent of Oroville, like little situations that people who live here would understand. Yeah. But then other people were also relating to it. And that was yeah. really crazy. And then I realized that I think um, you have this idea that people are kind of living just in their world. But no, actually, they're, they're traveling through books, through media, through everything. And so um, what was really cool was to realize that there was an audience for this kind of niche, like pseudo-spiritual, white hippie thing in India. Yeah. There was like a whole yeah. audience that was digesting that and finding it extremely funny and relatable. And I was right. like, okay, that's kind of surprising because I thought it was only kind of in these small yeah. little uh, communities. But no, actually, a majority of India can understand what this is. And so yeah. in the same way, with the accents, I think now people are also highly critical. Um, oh, because bet. people can also cross, like they can cross check you. Um, yeah. They can go immediately watch a video about the accent that you're doing and be like, this is terribly like, inaccurate. Hey. Exactly. Yeah, you're not yeah. doing a good job. So another thing that I think is interesting to mention is that being a content creator means you are always up to an impossible standard. You of will course. never be on mark ever. And that was something that I needed to just like also understand because Orville is like 
a lot more um, sweet and supportive. Everyone is just like, good job, kid. No worries. You know, even if you messed up. <laughs> and that's such a dichotomy, right? I mean, like being in such an incredibly supportive environment and yet the trolling and the critique of the internet yeah. is very unforgiving. Yeah. But I do want to say that I think that I'm extremely lucky because my um, audience is so sweet. They are so nice yeah. and kind. And I wanted to actually say that. I've never really said it, but they're so understanding and they com com comment in a way that is so... Um, it's not just like, oh, wow, it's very specific, nice things. Um, and I realized yeah. that... Um, yeah, they're like people like me that I could have a conversation with, not just numbers that are on a screen. And it's a really nice, comforting feeling. And I wanted to say that, like, I think a lot of people have a lot of harsh critique and it can get really overwhelming. But for me, it's really the one off, like one every, you know, couple of days. And it's OK. Yeah. You need to like just let it roll off, not bother you. You're listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. After a quick break. We'll come back to our conversation with actor, freelancer, and content creator, Ahilya Bamru. Stay tuned. Every story told is a lesson learned, and every lesson learned is a story waiting to be told. I'm Abhay Dandekar, and I share conversations with global Indians and South Asians, so everyone can say, trust me, I know what I'm doing. New episodes weekly, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hi, this is Madhuri Dixit, and you are listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing with Abhay Dandekar. Welcome back to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. Let's rejoin our conversation now with Ahilya Bamru. You know, speaking of kind of that backdrop of being in such a nurturing environment, such a diverse environment, in growing up in, in Oroville, which is this kind of quasi-experimental community, I imagine, as a township in South India, who, you know, for people who may not know exactly what it is, what are most people perhaps surprised by, especially as they become, you know, a little bit more versed or they learn more about you through your work? What are they most surprised by when they learn about Oroville or when they learn that you particularly grew up there? So one is the thing that Oroville, first of all, not a lot of people know about Oroville in India. Um, because somehow yeah. Orville doesn't have an advertising campaign, right? Uh, we don't really right. have a lot of like, oh, look, we exist. We're here. So <laughs> it's a lot more like you learn about it through. You just exactly. Are. You just realize you figure it yeah. out or you met someone who's been there. It's very word of mouth kind of a thing. Yeah. So I think um, that I'm a person who grew up here at all and I'm using my phone and I'm talking about things in a kind of a not crazy, but like in a neutral fashion is surprising to some people because they have this kind of idea huh. that it is this very, very, you know, deeply spiritual, deeply meditative kind of a space. Yeah. And so to meet somebody who's like somebody their age, who's just like them, has watched the same movies, listens to the same music. Yeah. So I think that that's surprising, I guess. And another thing is that just the life here is surprising. And I've tried to like showcase a little bit of it, um, you know, that it's, it's, we, we live in a man-made forest. So it's like the largest uh, yeah. reafforestation, like man-made project in the world, actually. This is every single tree here has yeah. been hand planted by a person. So that's crazy. Um, and so yeah. that's one aspect of it, that it's really green, that we have so much freedom, that we're 
kind of uh, always experimenting and that we have a different governance and a different economy kind of system. So these are all things that people realize over time. Um, but I guess the thing is that people don't expect normalcy. Yeah. Mm. And yeah. so then when you're just like, hey, just just like anybody else. You're like, hey, this is not very different than other places. Because kids are kids. Yeah. <laughs> that maybe is more universal than anything else. For someone who has in some ways, you know, displayed and portrayed the normalcy of a place like Oroville and shared it intimately in some ways, how it's woven into your own life. I'm wondering also, do you have aspirations, you know, in, in some ways are your portrayals and your, the things that you create and the content that you make are in some ways, those kinds of escapes from Oroville in any way? Do you have aspirations in some ways to to truthfully break away from the confines of Oroville and explore even more. So that's always been something that I've wanted to do. And I think a lot of kids who grew up here at age 18, when they're done with their high school, they immediately leave to go explore the world. Yeah. Because I think that that's extremely important for everyone to just get perspective of any kind. Yeah. Um, and so people did leave, but I decided to stay because I was curious to find out a little bit more about the place and understand like just not as a passive child growing up here, but as a, you know, involved um, adult working and trying to figure out the space through those, through that view and that lens. Yeah. So um, that was like different. And now I think there was a couple of things also like COVID and uh, there was also like a visa problem from one of the unis I had applied to that I couldn't get into. So there was a few little things that happened in the way that stopped me from leaving. But I don't think that it's ever been something I can't do um, in the sense of I can leave anytime I want. And I'm trying to find the space. And now that I would like to be an actor, I would like to kind of go into that space. I think it'll be any time now that something will just yeah. kind of move me away. Um, but um, I think this is a space that you have to keep visiting again and again, you know, and it's always will be home. Kind of an anchor. An, an anchor. Yeah. And just a space yeah. that, in lack of a better word, yeah, it is just comfort. It is, it's home and it's what you know and how you feel like you are the safest. So, yeah. I have a slightly off topic question and yet it kind of relates back to you know, maybe what drives a lot of people to discover art and discover content. Um, is it important to be bored? <laughs> okay. Wow. Um, yeah. I think you need to be bored. Because boredom leads you to some crazy realizations, actually. And I have been bored, um, especially since I didn't have a quote-unquote career path to follow. Um, I didn't have like a very clear degree I was following or like a job I was searching for, at least before the Instagram thing. Also, the Instagram thing was always just a hobby. It's never been a job, really. Right. So there yeah. were times when I was just bored and I didn't know what it was really that was like that that, that thing that was really going to get me just out there and start creating. Um, but I think that yeah. it was very helpful for me to also just like slow down and give my mind a little bit of emptiness before I could start creating yep. anything at all um so I think that in a way boredom is important but I I feel like you it can't be like boredom that 
you choose to be bored. It's rather that there really mm. is, you know, this st- space of silence right now that you just kind of have to like understand yeah. and just like deal with. Like, okay, there's nothing right now that is like exciting me and I feel kind of bored. Yeah. And so that is more important. But the whole thing of like not being able to be attentive to things and then kind of scrolling as like a... Um, as a result of that, that's like a little bit different. And I don't yeah. think that that's so important. <laughs> well, and it's almost as if like you need the boredom to create the creative momentum or to generate the creative yeah. momentum that's perhaps required to then really get into this great energy, get with this great energy mm-hmm. and to sort of innovate and think of new things and then perhaps go back to being bored. Maybe pausing is the right yeah. word as opposed to just you know, simply being bored. Let me, let me ask you one last thought. And that is, you know, how do you cultivate trust as a, as a content creator? What makes your content in that way trustworthy for the passerby? Um, so I think a big part of that is the empathy that they would feel. Um, I try to make sure that there is as little fluff around me as possible so that it could just be me like here in the way that I just woke up and I'm talking to you like you're my friend um and I think that's yeah you know (laughs) that's what I'm trying to do um and to a certain extent like it's also just to be honest about what you're trying to do like you don't want to be lying And you have to understand the intention, I think. And I think people pick up on your intention when all you're trying to do is just put out something that maybe you will enjoy, take it or leave it. Um, So people, I think, identify with that feeling. It's funny because I think there was a while where people were looking, people were looking for beauty on this app of whatever kind. Mm -hmm. Just like a lot of beautiful, extreme, extravagant, luxurious kind of things. But I think now people are yearning for authenticity. They just want to see something that is just a person. It's just me and you in this moment. And it's just real. Um, And I think that that, that's the new wave. And I hope that it kind of just like takes over and it'll just be the wave of, of authenticity, hopefully. You know, when someone is perhaps coming across your content and seeing your work for the first time, what questions do you hope that they have in their minds? What what questions do you hope they're asking themselves? I hope they can start to think like, what are the different things that, you know, put a smile to my face in my life? Because like, I want them to think that my comedy is observation. Like I want them to feel like yeah. it's an observational kind of comedy. So it's not necessarily like I've created a scene. It's just that I've seen this and I've put it out there. And I want them to kind of be like, okay, now what can I see that can bring a laugh to somebody's yeah. face, uh, bring some lightness into a moment that's a little bit dark and kind of look around their lives to kind of, you know, make those connections. Because I think that that's really beautiful, like to connect the dots from somebody else's experience and your own, I think is very beautiful. Well, Ahelia, spotlighting experiences and connecting the dots um, through it all. We're very grateful. Really appreciate you coming on with us. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much. Thank you, Albert. This was really yeah. lovely. Yeah. It was nine lovely questions as well. I felt very like um, I had to think and it was nice. <laughs>
Thanks so much, Ahilya. And in my own sahi and jhakkas effort to accomplish proper harassment and concentration, remember that your breath is a river that flows between the twin banks of your nostrils. Till next time, I'm Abhay Dandekar. <laughs>